Warning, the following podcast contains violent scenes that may be unsettling to some listeners. Listener discretion is advised. Hello, and welcome to The Brian Diaries, where our pals and I get together and talk about subjects dealing with our favorite tabletop role-playing setting, The World of Darkness. While we may not be subject matter experts on the game lines, we have a passion that has led us to create and share actual plays with you all. Eventually we thought, well shit, we might as well take a stab at a podcast, and here you go. Each episode, we will have a guest content creator to join us to talk about whatever subject is on the table. If you'd like to contact us, you can reach out to us on Twitter at twin underscore cities underscore VTM or on Facebook at Twin Cities by Night. So here we go. I hope you enjoy. Hello and welcome to our episode of Brian Diaries European Edition. This time, me, Slavic, and he, Tillman, will tell you more about 13th Age character creation. And by tell you more about, we're just going to create a character, walk through all the steps. I'll guide Tillman through it because he's never done it before. Of course, he's created lots of characters, just none for 13th Age. So... Let's get this show on the road. I'm going to preface this by saying uh, 13th Age character creation is not that complicated. So, On a scale of like 1 to Eclipse Phase 2nd Edition, which is 13, how many steps does this character creation have? All right. <laughs> well, I mean... There's like a couple, there's like a checklist here, but let's be honest, it's not Eclipse Face like tier choices. It's Game Master input, so first you ask your Game Master what the game's going to be about, what concept will fit, then you choose a race, class, generate abilities for that class, generate your combat stats, generate or well make up your one unique thing the one unique thing that sets you apart from everyone else in the world then you do your icon relationships then backgrounds then your first level feet and then some gear so and all in all one two three four five six seven eight, i think nine, i counted ten. ten yeah ten steps ten steps okay so so we have a general idea it seems that it's two less um complex <laughs> of course that's how it works if you have a one-step character creation in an rpg that just it's just perfect even if it involves like i don't know complex math <laughs> logarithms or something all right uh, game master tell me what kind of game you want to run so i can address this in my okay, character so. concept so, well, you know, we at TCBN, we all have our serious games. So let's say it's a serious game. So please know uh, two funny concepts. You know, a bit of comic relief's all right, as long as there's some serious side to the character as well. But otherwise, it's going to be a run-of-the-mill uh, fantasy setting. Let's say the character you're going to be is a... Well, let's say it's going to be a campaign about... Uh, sort of party of scouts, of soldiers, similar to the one we had in our last one-shot. And uh, they are going to try to um, sort of be the vanguard for the army, you know, just 
clear out the opposition, map out the opposition, find info, and try to work behind the enemy lines, something like that. Right. So I already mentioned to you, I think I would like to create a BARD. Now, I'm not sure about race yet, but that's the first step. So what would generally go well with that? I guess it depends on what you want. Since in 13th Age, you gain a bonus to your ability scores. One of them you gain from your race that you pick, and the other you get from your class. So it's never going to be uh, something in like classic D&D, where if you pick a race that doesn't have any bonuses to what you want to play, then you're screwed. So... In this system, it's not like that. You at least get your class bonus. So you can pick whatever you want. But the bards, bards use dexterity and charisma a lot. So you probably want, if you want to optimize it, one or a race with one or the other. And then you'll take the other with your, from your class. You can't take like both ability scores from your class and the race as the same ability score. So you can't take plus two charisma from, let's say, I don't know, high elves. Do they have charisma? Yes, they do. And then you would, wouldn't be able to take another plus two from Barth. So you'd have to take the dexterity. I understand that I just made it more complicated than it needs to be. Oh, no, that's fine. I'm just looking through my options here. Right. I think I don't want to play an elf. I'd rather not be that kind of bard, but <laughs> <laughs> um, right now I'm looking at halfling. Oh yeah, definitely. They have either plus two, what's it, conscience Const- or constitution. constitution? Yeah, or a plus two dex, mm-hmm. and the bard can have plus two to dex or charisma. Yeah, so that would give me the option to have both dex and charisma, I believe. Exactly. And yeah. it kind of fits my concept of being not that imposing. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. Kind of in the back line. Definitely, definitely. You get plus two AC against opportunity attacks. Am I correct for being in halfling? Yes, two AC bonus against opportunity attacks because you're small. And every race gets a racial power in 13th age and the power of halflings is evasive once per battle you can force an enemy that hits you to reroll the attack with a minus two penalty which is nice you know keeps you alive especially from like death blows or something that's really dangerous so all right halfling bard put that down put that down i did i did and i <laughs> misspelled bard so now my class is brad <laughs> Okay, Brad. Oh, no. Uh, Okay, so generate abilities. This one is, well, I mean, you know, you always have several choices to make when generating abilities. You can either roll 46 six times, drop the lowest, or you can use point by, you have 28 points. Unlike in uh, D&D, you can actually point by up to 18 in a stat. So you can start with 20 in a stat with your bonus from your class or your race. That's particularly what you want. Or you can also use a standard array. 
And the standard array I use is actually gives you a lot more points than you would get by either rolling or point by. But it's actually recommended on their own website that they talked about it because uh, 13th Age is a bit different than D&D because classes are a lot more mad, which is to say multiple ability score dependent. A lot of your stats that you have are related to the middle score of three abilities. So, for example, armor class for the bard is the middle modifier of constitution, dexterity, and wisdom. Physical defense is strength, constitution, dexterity, mental defense, intelligence, wisdom, charisma, which means you have an extreme amount of stats, and it's better. The game works better if you have a slightly higher or bigger stats than in classical D&D. So we are going to assign six scores to your abilities. And these are going to be, I'm going to post them in the chat for you so you don't have to <laughs> listen to me too much. Uh, 17, 15, 14, 13, 12, and 10. Right, and I can place these however I see fit. Exactly. Okay. You'll probably want the high ones to go to charisma and dexterity, possibly. Yeah, but... You're right, that looks a bit higher than what you usually have in D&D, though, yeah. to be honest. I was never a fan of the random role thing. Yeah, I'm, it depends on the game you're playing, I suppose. Yeah, it can be interesting, but you can also end up with, like, free stats at 8. Yeah, uh, as long as you roll before you decide on the other stuff, you can sort of <laughs> make it work. I'm pretty sure I can make, like, a character that is, isn't tries to be dependent on like zero scores or something <laughs> <laughs> but yeah it'd be a pain i guess a buff sort of character could work that way right so my thinking is my halfling um bard is kind of like a tag along honestly i think of him as someone who was like a traveling jester of sorts He's not really <laughs> sure what he's doing in the army right now but he can't uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, there's lots of ways to get into the army, uh, either by your choice or someone else's. <laughs> you know, uh, maybe, would you say he he's a gambler? To be a volunteer. Yeah, or maybe he, he's a gambler as well. Yeah, it could be, you know, that uh, people who, recruiters basically went into a tavern, that's what they did back in the day, and basically, you know, got all the drunk people to sign the papers to get recruited. So maybe he lost the game and uh, was forced to sign up to the army, either to pay debts or just because he was drunk. Oh, you know, maybe he was, um, he got in trouble with the authorities. Oh, yeah. Somehow. Maybe not even uh, uh, to his own fault, at least that is mm -hmm. what he believes in. Yeah. So someone kind of like blackmailed him in a way. Mm -hmm. And now he he's stuck with the army. Yeah, that's perfectly fine. But anyway, what I'm thinking is he's not very strong. Yeah. Mm, he probably has constitution and dexterity, obviously, but not strength. Okay. So I think I'm using my 10 for the strength. Okay, 10 strength. Got it. Working my way up from there. I don't think he's particularly smart either. 
<laughs> that poor guy. So yeah, I think I uh, want to put my 12th in intelligence. However, wisdom and constitution I see as being quite important. Mm-hmm. As I said, my base idea, my background concept was a yeah, a traveling jester of sorts. So both of these, I think, are quite important. Oh, yeah, for sure. It's important mm-hmm. to note that uh, the odd numbers, the 17, 15, and 13, are the ones that you're going to want to upgrade later on. Uh, because during the 4th, 7th, and 10th, or 4th, 7th, and 9th, I'm not sure right now, you get plus one to three different ability scores, right? And you basically want those scores to be even because then they give you a modifier. So you start with, so say you have a 17 plus two from your ability uh, from your class. So you have 19 and let's say charisma. Then uh, whatever the level is that comes where you get, oh yeah, it's at level four, you get plus one to three abilities. Suddenly that 19 becomes a 20. And at level seven, once again, you know, plus one, two, three abilities. I guess you can't you can't go over twenty, but yeah, that's just how it works. So it's good. It it really depends. Also, if you want the character is probably not gonna make it to level ten, which is like the final level, because uh, I just don't believe that many players and people play that many high powered games. But yeah, do as you will. So I think I will put. 13 into wisdom 14 into constitution good choice constitution is important so not as much as in dnd where you have concentration checks but still you know life makes you not dead that's very nice so that leaves me with my um highest scores 15 and 17 and the two that i can that i can buff anyway because of my race and class pick yep so now to make a decision, what's more important, dexterity or charisma? <laughs> it's the big decision, I guess. You know, it's. I think it's kind of a cliche to make a high charisma character who's awful at anything else. <laughs> because you have that uh, friendly face trait, basically, and everyone is helping you out in the end. <laughs> yeah, 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 it's true, it's true, and... Uh... Dandy has that problem even more because there's three charisma casting classes and honestly the warlock should be an intelligence class don't at me and they had him in the playtest as an intelligence class but it used to be a charisma class and I guess the player testers didn't like it because it used to be different and now they changed it now it sucked but you know 5D changed so many things if they were a bit braver but nice anyways back to 13th age yeah Let's not get uh, well, into that. <laughs> I, I, I would look at the talents you can get, the class talents. You can get three of them and see what you basically, if you want to cast more spells, it's probably better to get charisma higher. But if you want to hit people with uh, your rapier or sword or whatever, it's probably better to get a bit more dexterity. Honestly, I'm going with charisma then. All right. Because I think he's like, he probably has like a decorative weapon, mm-hmm. but he doesn't use it. <laughs> <laughs> I could see him um, 
throwing his song texts, like his book of songs at people, right? Or hitting them well with it. The bards in Thirteenth Age they have these things called battle cries, which are only used in close combat or like in melee attacks, and they trigger when you roll certain things. So it's it's still viable to like go melee if you want to. He's like a chihuahua. <laughs> very loud, very fidgety, and uh, will bite you eventually, but you won't even notice. <laughs> okay. <laughs> All right. Uh, that's really interesting. They can actually be strength as well if you want them to. It wouldn't like be to your detriment, so you could go strength and charisma. Interesting. So yeah, that's another feature of 14H we'll talk about later is how weapons are handled, which is different from BMB. All right, so you're going to have 19 in charisma then with your bonus and 17 in dex. Yeah, where do I add my bonus in the first of the three lines? Yeah, 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 definitely. Okay. Your modifier is the plus how much it gives you. So with a 19, your modifier is plus four. As 10 is zero, anything less than 10, like nine and eight are minus one. And 11 and 12, oh, 12 is plus one. I think nine is zero too. Yeah, nine is zero. So it's basically every two that you have over is like a plus one modifier. So a 19 is plus four, 17 is plus three, and so on and so forth. So what's your modifiers right now? Yeah, I think I have strength zero, constitution two, dexterity three, intelligence one, wisdom two, charisma four. All right. In 14th age, you don't have proficiency bonuses, but you add your level to everything. So under the modifiers, you have uh, another basically row, which is modifier plus level, which is what you usually actually roll. Because you add your level to almost everything in 13th age, to any role, I mean. All right, so we got the ability scores. Combat stats. Yeah, that's what I was talking about. That's the lots of middle stuff. So basically, when you choose your armor, you have four options that the game gives you. None, light, heavy, and shield. Uh, and it writes out the base AC you get for the armor and the attack penalty you get if you wear a certain armor. So basically, they shoehorn classes like, yeah, you're a bard. You're probably going to wear light armor in any sort of fantasy setting. We're going to give you 12 AC. If you do want to wear heavy armor, you'll get plus one AC. It'll cost you a minus two attack penalty. And if you want to shield, it'll cost you another minus one penalty. I assume you'll just pick the light armor. I think so, yeah. It's it's the logical choice. Because attack penalties work on like everything, on every spell, every attack. So. Oh, okay. Yeah, okay. Yeah. That would suck. And then melee weapons... Uh, wait a yeah. second. What do I put down for light armor? Oh, uh, first we'll pick it up, uh, pick these, and then we'll go further down, and I'll tell you what your actual AC is. Okay. Because your well, we can do this actually straight up. Armor class for you is twelve plus your mi middle modifier of Constitution, Dexterity, Wisdom. So the middle between these three. It was Constitution, Dexterity, and Wisdom. Yes. Is that modifier or modifier plus level? Plus level. 
Okay, so I have um, three for constitution, four for dexterity, and three for wisdom. All right, so it's so, three. 12 plus three is five. 15. <laughs> Slavic no good at math. <laughs> okay, now I got it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's, there's a table here. Uh, I, I'm not sure if you found it on the SRD. Oh, there it's basically the stat part. All right, now your physical defense. Physical defense protects from like physical attacks, like certain spells and grapples and stuff like that. It's from spells other or abilities other than normal attacks that are physical. So yours is 10 plus the middle modifier of strength, constitution, or dexterity plus level. Strength, constitution, dexterity. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's one, three, and four. So All I right. Guess. Three. Okay. Little modifier. That's 13, physical defense. And then goes the mental defense, which obviously protects against psychic thingies, which is 11 plus your middle modifier of intelligence, wisdom, charisma. Uh, this table, or like the base numbers are different for each class, just for our listeners. So it's, uh, not every class has the same PD, MD, and AC. So my middle modifier, that's intelligence, wisdom, charisma. Mm-hmm. I have two, three, and five, and I still haven't found a table. <laughs> <laughs> so do I get a 14 in mental defense? All right. Uh, your metal modifier is three. I think so. Yeah. In which case you do. And now hit points. Hit points are seven plus constitution times level modifier. The level modifier is like different for each class. Yeah, there we go. And for you, it's seven plus two in parentheses for your con modifier nine times three so your level one hit points should be 27. yep right i believe i found the table finally so yay i agree (laughs) recoveries recoveries if you guys listeners haven't uh listened to any of our 13th age one shots they're basically how many times you can heal whenever you heal you roll your recovery dice and one of your recoveries get get lost which means you have a limited amount of heals you can actually undertake in 13th age so it becomes more of an attrition game you can't just cast i don't know cure wounds infinite times or something at a certain point your body will just give out and then your recovery dice which is basically the same thing as hit dice in dnd except you all you use them whenever you roll a recovery which is 1d8 times level plus your comp modifier, so it's 1d8 plus 2 for you. All right, I get 8 recoveries, 1d8 plus 2 recovery rolling. Yeah, that's it. Backgrounds! Okay, so backgrounds are really open-ended in this system, like really open-ended. They can be anything and everything you want them to be. So you can have maximum of 5 points in any background, and... Altogether, you have eight points, though, as a bard, you might get a bit of extra for from your talents later on. So think of anything you want. Backgrounds or replace skills in 13th age, by the way. So 
instead of say something like sneaking you'll have uh, can i use my background for being a sneaky dude you can though i would say no no i mean that's just an example yeah you can and um, it'd be like let's say if you're a hunt you have a hunter background yeah so four or points a, hunter or uh something like a thief or a scout belgian ninja exactly if you have a ninja background five dots and ninja background yeah of course roll them <laughs> trench coat and katana background <laughs> oh yeah that, that gives you a plus intimidation and uh, i don't know probably a malice to socialization <laughs> uh, no but for real though i really want to um get the traveling jester in there and maybe also oh, yeah. traveling um, jester put it there as a background that's perfect um, trouble with the authorities maybe oh yeah also basically almost anything can be a background and then you just have to sort of think about what that background would apply to in game and how it will work work it out with your dm so traveling gesture background how many points do you want to put in that uh, i don't know yet honestly i got eight okay. points to spend um, yes. right yes can you give me like a can you help me understand how much one point in a background means in game uh one point of background gives you a plus one to a roll so think about like at level one the standard dc checks i believe are 10 for like easy 15 for middle and 20 for hard so let's say you want to sneak so you'll have your dex bonus plus level let's say it's four uh, i think it's probably 15 20 25 dc checks sorry if i don't have it in my head right now i'd have to dig out my all right yeah it's 15 20 25 adventure tier which is like the basic one you start with so let's say it's a dc 20 check so if you need to roll a if you have a dexterity modifier of four plus level one that's five so you get plus five to the roll and then you add your background and it basically decides if if you have let's say five backgrounds in thief five background dots then that means you need to roll a 10 if you have just three, it means you need to roll a uh, 13. Each one is basically a 5% increase in whatever you want it to do. And uh, backgrounds should be able to do several things. Like they shouldn't be too focused. Yeah, I was thinking the same thing right now. So I believe my traveling jester is like finding bars, socializing making some money, bartering with people, maybe. Oh, yeah. Trouble with the authorities, probably, yeah. like, I'd probably fast also, talking, fast yeah. running. And since there's the traveling gesture part, I, I definitely also add it to, like, traveling, maybe, like, finding supplies or... Oh, oh, yeah, that's a good surviving. point. Mm -hmm. So I, I really like the system more than the normal skill system because I feel like... A lot of times you have a character that you feel like could do certain things from certain skills, but not others. But also you don't have the other skills that you'd want. Let's say you have a priest who's 
would know a lot of about magic from certain like religions or whatever, but not necessarily have the arcana skill. And let's just say it works a lot smoother, in my opinion. As long as you don't have a fat guy or girl at your table that just tries to apply your her back his or her background to absolutely everything. Well, I mean, no <laughs> game system saves you from that. No, it's exactly. Just, it really does. If, if people want to break the game yeah. and be like no yeah. fun, then Thirteenth Age is can... a lot about like consensus between players and GMs, and the players have a lot of input on how the game sort of works with the yeah and i mean for us it works incredibly well yeah so i'm very happy with these two backgrounds i have right now Mm. you can actually put let's say five and one three uh, three points in the other if you want to leave it that way or you can we can stat them out later once you do your talents or and icon relationships i'm considering Maybe something about the group that he travels with, where he comes from, you know, like a real background. Mm-hmm. Or is that an icon relationship? Where he comes from. No, no, no. It can be it can be that. Definitely can be a pr- proper background. It could be like a, let's say, village upbringing or like a farmer's son, for example. Definitely viable background. Uh, street orphan, also viable in my opinion. Something like that. I like that one, last one, street orphan, picked up by like a group of traveling yeah. Uh, artisans. Yeah, I think that definitely helps things like stealing, maybe finding information in a city, uh, anything and everything really to do with like more seedier parts of the city, you know? Yeah, definitely viable. So how many points in each? What do you think? Remember, max five and one. What do you think about four, two, and two? Four for traveling jester. Mm-hmm. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, that's like your main thing. So four in traveling jester, two in orphan, and what was the last one again? Uh, trouble with the authorities. Oh, um, trouble with the authorities. Do these overlap too much? Mm-hmm. Orphan. I feel and like the orphan and the authorities one might overlap a bit. Yeah. Uh. I might Maybe. just scratch the trouble with the authorities and put one point from it into the orphan and one point into the jester. Yeah, why not? I mean, I was considering adding something like comes from bumfuck nowhere, but <laughs> like, what to do with that? <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, you, you can always think about it and you can even switch, change backgrounds in-game like take it from one background and put it into like another maybe even a newly made one okay icon relationships here we go you have just three points those points are important because uh, normally at the beginning of each session you roll your icon relationships and every five or six that comes up gives you a small bonus a five if you roll a five it also comes with strings attached. If you roll a six, it's just straight up great for you. And you basically, there's 13 icons in 13H, and they're like super powerful people, and, they're, and they represent the organizations that shape the world. I'm going to read them out now just for our listeners. So it's the Archmage, the Crusader, the Diabolist, the Dwarf King, 
the Elf Queen, the Emperor, the Great Gold Worm, the High Druid, the Lich King, the Orc Lord, the Priestess, the Prince of Shadows, and the Three. Those are just the basic 13 icons, and the game actually really encourages you to change them up, change their alignments, play with them, maybe play the good ones a bit evil. The evil ones is perhaps redeemable or even sensible. So I usually uh, make up icons really often. Uh, if you remember our Foster and Nagar one shot, uh, then Nominus Triad, which Tillman was playing, uh, was a made-up icon. And I think there were others too. Just yeah, that was like, excellent. Yeah. <laughs> I really enjoyed that part. So yeah, it's basically, it's not God's. Gods don't play a big role in 13th Age, really. Uh, the focus is there on the icons and their organizations they represent. Being in the army, I'm tempted to just pick the Emperor. And That's fair. You could also be in the army of the Crusader. Who's the Crusader? Crusader is the armored fist of the Dark Gods. So long as the followers of the Gods of Light stay the hell out of this way, the Crusader turns his wrath against demons that would destroy the world. His own gods want to rule. Follow the Crusader if you must win at any cost. He also often, like, catches people or captures them and forces them into his legions. In the end, his end goal is relatively sensible in that he tries to rid the world of demons that want to destroy it and in many ways he's necessary and he's a sort of alignment with the with the emperor and the bonus thing is that in icon relationships you have three types of relationships that you can spend points on positive conflicted negative now usually uh how the game sets it up is that you can spend lots of stuff into positive relationships with like good and heroic icons and uh it's a bit more complicated with ambiguous icons and villainous icons you can only have a limited amount of positive or negative relationships with or positive and then you can have up to two and negative but honestly i think uh the way I roll it is like you can put three anywhere because we're not playing standard fantasy. It's more like dark fantasy. So even if one character has two or three positive relationships with a villainous icon, especially if the character is evil, it just makes sense. So the Crusader sounds uh, fitting. Um, yeah. You could even have like a conflicted or negative relationship with him. Yeah, I'm definitely too. thinking conflicted. Because uh, I think my character, and we still don't have a name, um, <laughs> uh, no. he is—he generally like understands the goal, but doesn't want to help with it. Maybe. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, uh, the Crusader does a lot of really shady stuff. Okay, so how many points do you think? You can even put all of them there if you want to. Honestly, it's not. Uh, is there another icon that would fit? Maybe uh, maybe you wanted to have some background stuff there. So you could have done something for, perhaps for the Prince of Shadows, who is part thief, part trickster, part assassin. To some, he is a w- hero. To others, a villain. He has squandered the riches of the dwarves, murdered the hopes of a dragon, plundered the dreams of a god. His exploits have changed the world, but none can tell you his goal or motives. He's like this shadowy figure who does things seemingly at random, but he has a goal in mind and he can't be cruel, but he can be quite helpful as well and kind. Or you could be perhaps have been a servant of the three who are the one of the first dragons to walk the world. 
the red is pure destruction, the blue is sorcery, and the black is shadows and assassins. So it could be, actually, I believe the blue is in control of a city called Drakenhau, the city of monsters. It's actually an official city of the empire. So uh, a dragon rules the city of monsters, which is part of the human empire. Or I guess the empire is more like cosmopolitan but mostly human-focused. So, so that's some interesting lore from the basic 13th Age setting. So perhaps you were born there, so you might have a relationship with them. Ah, I'm feeling this Prince of Shadows. Yeah, Prince of Shadows. I think because uh, yeah. I, I, I see the connection to like a, a traveling artist. Mm-hmm. You're kind of, I mean, you uh, many see you as like scum and as an, as a mm-hmm. nuisance and oh yeah you're always hard pressed for money barely getting by but you believe you're like above it all you've seen everything you see through all the people that you meet you're just playing your own by your own rules yeah no prince of shadows is a great choice all right so, so would, i think i would you say it's a positive relationship yeah i think so it's like like an admiration even though it's like like a problematic figure that's that's completely fair. So we have your three points in icons. Two conflicted relationship with the Crusader. One positive relationship with the Prince of Shadows. Good stuff. And now for your talents. The talents will sort of set up what your character actually does and how it'll work. You can choose three, or rather you have to choose three. Uh, do you want to read them out? The first one is Balladeer. So, yeah, the first one is Balladeer. Uh, I just realized we forgot <laughs> to... Yeah, well, let's not read them out. That take forever, honestly. Okay. I'll just summarize what it does. First, we forgot your melee attack and your ranged attack. All right. Yeah, we need those. So, yeah, if you're using a one-handed weapon and you're using like a longsword or a scimitar, it's like a 1d8 plus your level your attack roll is dexterity plus your level versus ac and to hit is 1 1d8 plus dexterity damage and if you miss you also deal damage you deal damage equal to your level in melee in ranged you don't have miss damage it's right above the talents class features you'll have basic attack uh, so I have um, dexterity plus level versus AC, and what is hit and yeah, miss? Yeah, hit is how much damage you do. So mm-hmm. that's your attack. Your hit is one d eight if you choose the optimal option plus ah, okay plus your dexterity, right? Which is plus three, so it should be one d eight plus three, and miss is damage equal to your level. So miss is one damage if you miss. Also kind of complicated or like i believe bards are like the most complicated class in 13th age they have three types of features which are bardic songs battle cries and spells so how battle uh, bardic songs work is that they last for one or more rounds they require a specific action each round that you must make and then you roll a d20 to check against its sustained target and if you succeed, you can attain with a sustained target. If you don't, you perform a final verse. 
a powerful effect happens and the song ends and you have a limited amount of songs per long rest. Then you have battle cries, which are basically flexible melee attacks, which when you attack in melee and you hit a, you do a specific thing, like you roll an, a natural 16 plus roll, for example, then you can activate the battle cry called stay strong which gives a nearby bonus, uh, ally a plus two bonus to AC until the start of your next turn. Or if you roll a natural 11 plus, you can do pull it together. So after that attack, one nearby ally could heal using a recovery. So they can roll their recovery die. So that's how battle cries work. And then spells work the way they always work. You just cast them and they activate. Some are at will. Others are rechargeable after battle and others are simply daily you use them once and you can't use them at all uh i think i want to go the full bard route and play songs that inspire you all right (laughs) (laughs) yeah so okay class talents which improve upon the aforementioned roles so balladier means each level you learn a great ballad of your choice each day you can sing one of those songs to give you a positive relationship with an icon you would not have uh you would not ordinarily have and increase a negative relationship with another icon so uh, (laughs) basically you get a positive and negative relationship with an icon so let's say you could uh, sing a ballad about the emperor you'd get a plus one relationship with the emperor and uh let's say minus one with the lich king maybe it's a ballad about the forces of the emperor defeating the lich king so then you use roll a charisma check okay so it's like an out of combat ability if you succeed you get two points of positive relationship with the icon interesting okay and oh then you don't just get negative relationship you get cursed dice for that icon Okay, and those give you problems if you roll ones or twos, but they're like temporary. They disappear at the end of the session. So Balladeer is like a pure fluff ability. I kind of like it though. (laughs) Yeah, it's 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 pretty nice. Yeah. Then you have Battle Scald. Uh, So you can't take this talent if you take Spell Slinger. Uh, Increases the number of battle cries. We don't really want that. Jack of Spells, choose... Okay, you can s- steal spells from other classes. Do you want to do that? Not really. No, okay. Lore Master and Myth Kenner don't really seem to fit either, honestly. Yeah, no, they just make you intelligence and wisdom-based, which is honestly nice, though, that there exist talents which change your casting from, let's say, charisma to wisdom or intelligence if you want to play a different type of bard character. But Songmaster, this one really works, I think. So if you attempt to maintain a bardic song, if you describe it in a fashion that entertains the GM or at least a couple of the players, you get a bonus of plus one to plus three to maintain the song. I love it. Yeah, I think Songmaster is perfect. (laughs) It's so good. It's exactly how I think of playing a bard. Yeah. So Songmaster is the one. Spell singer, I think, is definitely the second one you want to take, which means you can choose an extra bardic song or bard spell at the highest level you know. So basically, you'll be able to be have more bardic songs, which is useful. Yeah, both and, sound very good. And the third one you want, you said you wanted balladeer, which I think work pretty well. 
Yeah, I was looking at Storyteller right now, and it's not that interesting, honestly. Yeah, Storyteller allows you to like re-roll relationship checks if you don't like the first result. Now we choose. Okay, so we have two battle cries and three spells and songs. So basically, you can just choose songs if you don't want any spells. But there's only two songs at level one. <laughs> so, oof. <laughs> Sad times. Yeah, you have to remember that it's an indie game. So there's not 350 billion spells to choose from. But honestly, it works better that way. There's a lot more balance between the martial and caster classes, especially since there's not like 3 billion, uh, whatchamacallit, utility spells, because they just aren't there, which I think is great, honestly. Makes everyone work together. Cast bread. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Level one songs. Song of Heroes, which gives attack bonuses. And when the final verse is that an ally of your choice gets an extra big bonus on their next attack. All right. So it's a quick action 11 plus to sustain. And then there's the song of spilled blood, which any attack against you takes a penalty equal to the number of your allies in the battle who have more hit points than you. I really like that system. And the final verse is that you or your ally can heal using a recovery. I think that's great. The, songs scale in the same way that spells do so at third fifth seventh and ninth level you get some extra bonuses which is cool so i'd say you you'd pick both of the songs spell blood and heroes and then you'd pick a spell i guess there's there's quite a bit of them so so battle chant is interesting because even though it doesn't do much damage you can activate your battle cries with it even though it's a ranged attack, and it's at will. It's, it deals 1d4 plus charisma thunder damage, so 1d4 plus 4 for you. There's Befuddle, which is a ranged spell. Recharge is at an 11+, plus. so after each battle, you roll a d20. An 11+, plus. if you cast Befuddle, you gain it back. There's Charm Person. Okay, so this can't be cast during combat or on a target that rolled initiative. Okay, believes you are their friend, so classical charm. And sound burst, which is like a daily spell that targets 1d4 nearby enemies and deals 5d6 plus charisma damage to them and dazes them until the end of your next turn. So what do you think you want from the spells? I mean, sound burst sounds interesting because it does yeah. damage and because it's stupid. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's structure. You play a dissonant tune and everyone has... Yeah, I mean, it's a spell, you know, so <laughs> it's just like, it just works, man. Okay. <laughs> I like it because of that. On the other hand, um, Charm Person sounds really, really powerful in like a roleplay heavy game. Yeah, definitely. Ah, depends. But he's in the army, right? Hmm. Remember that you can also switch out spells each like short rest. It's not no big deal. I mean, not short rest, I mean like long rest, whenever you take a rest. Befuddle is also really good. So you can switch them out. It's not really important which ones yes. you pick. Healing is rare in 30th Age, right? Well, yeah, it's mostly very limited in the end because you have, you're limited by your recoveries. And you only get a basically a rest every three or four battles. So, so the question is, do I go full on 
of white mage build or do i have the <laughs> annoying as fuck bard build <laughs> well it, it really really depends especially probably look at the rest of your party and then decide according to that so let's just say you take soundburst for now but if you yeah. don't have healers you take something else you also get battle cries though you get two of them so you could for example take pull it together which if you roll a natural 11 plus you can only use it twice for battle and the effect is one nearby ally can heal using a recovery so it can have both uh, damage and recoveries there's stay strong which gives a nearby ally bonus to ac we need you which a nearby conscious ally can roll a Safe against the save ends effect, which is like stuns or poisons or whatever. Yeah, I think I take these two if I have two battle cries. All right. They sound good. Pull it together and we need you. Okay, that's it. Let me check how many, how far have we gone? Blah, 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 blah. First level feet. Okay, so you get one adventurer tier feet. Basically, how for feats work, they're like mini add-ons to your abilities. You can your talents have feats, and so do some of your spells or abilities. So basically, you can boost anything you feel like becomes useful as as such. For example, the balladeer talent has the adventurer feat that the first time you use your ballot to create a relationship. Any fives you roll become sixes, and you gain plus two to your balladeer checks. Where the hell is Soundburst? Soundburst adventure feat is on a natural even hit, which is to say you roll an even roll and you hit on a d20. The dazed effect is now not until the end of your next turn. It's until they roll a save to save it, which means they have a 50% chance of it continuing. And dazed in 13th age means minus four penalty to attack. So it's pretty powerful for a level one spell. You can get a lot of people out of the fight for a bit of time if you take the feat there. It's not really that important. The game even uh, tells you that it's fine if you take the first feat at the end of your first session. But also you can switch feats out after basically every long rest as well especially if you take a different spell then the feet kind of you'll just transfer the feet if you want the new one or put it somewhere else yeah i think i just take the sound burst one all right it seems really good because the other ones are i mean the balladier one is uh it can be really powerful yeah but you have to be a bit lucky it's true yeah exactly Definitely, yeah. I mean, it's it's still an indie game, so not it's not perfectly balanced, but I think it's balanced well enough. Yeah, I don't I don't really care, <laughs> honestly. Yeah. Well, I mean, the, the thing is, right? The reason you want balanced games and like games where you fight a lot is so no one feels particularly excluded out, right? or useless. Yeah. True. All right. So we have that, and then you'd pick. Gear. Let me see. Oh, do, 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 do. How much money do bards get? Oh, yeah. So at le first level, bards start with non-magical musical instruments, a melee and ranged weapon of their choice, some form of light armor, and any minor elements of gear their background suggests. You start either with 25 gold pieces or 1d6 times 10 gold pieces. 
Statistically speaking, rolling is better, but it depends on you. I'm sitting here with uh, Slavic the Cursed. Uh. <laughs> yeah, uh, I, I'd, I'd roll a one. I'd roll a one, but I'd still roll it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. I mean, I'm playing somewhat of a gambler. We had that conversation. Right, right. That's true. So That's true. how much do I roll? Uh, 1d6. All right, that's a six. Oh, six. 60 gold. <laughs> the gamble paid off. You're not like me. See, and you have more than two times your normal starting gold. And that's honestly great. I wish you'd roll a one, honestly. <laughs> we don't have to spend it all. <laughs> yeah. No, but it's a lot of things you can spend gold on in 13th age. It's like not just potions, but there's like oils and runes, which boost your weapons and stuff like that i wouldn't i wouldn't really don't really want to go into it that much but i really like uh how 13th age handles magical items even though they're like not, not usually viable is that uh healing person's got 50 gold uh yeah oils cost 100 runes cost 150 okay yeah so so magical items have personalities and quirks and uh, they can actually talk. So if you have a bunch of magic items on you, uh, it's just going to be oh, fucking annoying because they're just going to be screaming over each other. And they also have like quirks and they might affect your emotions. And if you have too many, they might actually overcome you. You can handle as many magic items equal to your level. So at level one, you can have one magic item and at level three you can have three if you have more than your level uh your items personalities start to sort of force themselves on yourself essentially you're playing a chaos mage by that point exactly (laughs) which by the way was really funny i really like that class it's it's great oh yeah it's it's very random but it's pretty great yeah i didn't want to create another chaos mage but (laughs) i would have if i hadn't played one already Right. Anyway, so uh, we did not give him a name yet. So that's a, okay. <laughs> it's just Brad the Bard. That's true. <laughs> we actually named him at the beginning Brad. What a bard. All right. Okay. That's it for 13th Age character creation. I uh, hope you guys enjoy it. Please check out our Twitter, Facebook, Patreon, social media, and non social media. I don't know. Check out our Discord too if you guys want to talk to us. Have a good one and goodbye. Bye-bye. Oh, hello again, folks. I'd like to tell you about the Facebook group we run called White Wolf and Onyx Path RPGs Gameplay and Media. Have you ever wished you could have an easy way to find gameplay videos and podcasts or just media in general that deals with your favorite White Wolf role-playing games? Or have you ever wished you could find a forum to share gameplay that you have recorded? One that won't be drowned out by random posts and discussions, so that your media could give the attention you deserve. The group is specifically run with the sole intent of being a one-stop shop for people to view or share media involving the games we all love. We take thorough steps to ensure the page does not become cluttered and is easy to traverse. The group is already immense and continuing to rapidly grow. With new media, 
being shared every day. Stop on by. We hope to see you there.